0: Well, good morning. Thank you for inviting me to share with you on this Sunday. Uh, thank you for that, that time of worship. Um, it felt like Easter, and, and I think we have to celebrate Easter more than one time a year. So that resurrection focus was was amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. As you uh, just saw in the uh, video, uh, IJM is the world's largest international anti-slavery movement in the world. And we are a group of followers of Jesus who believe that the 40 million people who are enslaved in the world today do need to know that Jesus did come to change their world, to change their lives. 40 million slaves. That number is is astounding. It's staggering to think that more than the population of Canada live in slavery in the world today. And IJM is committed to seeing all these people who are who are enslaved either in forced labor or who are trafficked to be sexually exploited in the commercial sex trade, uh, that these people would know that there's a God who sees them, a God of justice, who will come on their behalf. So today, we celebrate Freedom Sunday, which is an initiative that IJM has begun to engage the global church to actually begin to work and pray for the end of slavery in a generation. Around the world today, there are over 5,200 churches that are gathering To seek God, to pray, and to ask that slavery would come to an end. And Rexdale Alliance is one of uh, 60 churches in Canada today who are celebrating Freedom Sunday. And so thank you so much for joining in that. Because we believe that slavery must end. It needs to come to a conclusion. And God's church is, I think, a powerful response to that problem. Well, this morning I want us to look at a passage of scripture found in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. My title for my message this morning is The Relentless Pursuit of Justice. So if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, you can you can do so. Luke chapter 18, and I'm going to be reading from the, the message translation. Jesus told them a story showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. He said there was once a judge in some city who never gave God a thought and cared nothing for people. A widow in that city kept after him. My rights are being violated. Protect me. But he never gave her the time of day. But after this went on and on, he said to himself, I care nothing what God thinks, even less what people think. Yet because this widow won't quit badgering me, I'd better do something and see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up being beaten black and blue by your pounding. Then the master said, Do you hear what the judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think God won't step in and work justice for his chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't he stick up for them? I assure you he will. He will not drag his feet. But how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? Jesus is telling his followers about the plight of a widow who is looking for justice, someone to be an advocate for her. This particular story is one that resonates with me and my colleagues because IJM deals with literally thousands of widows in Uganda who are in the very same predicament that this widow found herself in. I want to introduce you to... Uh, a, a woman that we know called Grace. She is a widow with five children. Her husband was a local butcher who died suddenly, and so Grace found herself as someone who, who was without a husband, but yet had a farm that she worked with him and that she used that, the land to provide for herself and for her children. But two days after her husband's funeral, some local men came to Grace and said that if she didn't leave the land, that they would come and that they would push her house down with her and her children in it and literally force them off their land through, through that intimidating act. Well, Grace said, I'm not going to leave. This is how I provide for my children. And so I can't leave. And so the men then came back and they physically beat Grace. They pushed her house down and literally threw her off of her land. Grace tried to get justice at the local council in her village, but they said, oh, this is just a a tribal issue, a family issue. It's not ours to resolve. So Grace knew that that she needed to do something. She needed help. So she walked 25 miles one way to the city of Gulu in northern Uganda. She wanted to speak to officials there to plead her case. But they said to her, you have to give us a, a large amount of money so that we will even look at your case. Well, Grace, she had no money to give them, and so she became very desperate, very to the point of despairing for her life and for her children's life. However, someone referred Grace to IJM, and we began the very long process of working with Grace then to get her land back. You see, under Ugandan law, she had the legal right to be on that land, even though her husband had died. But there was a problem: there was no paper trail. There's was no uh, deed at the land title act that, that she could go to and point to. So our IJM team worked for three years to get grace restored to her land and to pro- provide for her while that three years was was, uh, was taking place, that process was ongoing. We provided care for her children and for herself so she would not be left to other forms of exploitation in her community. But here's where we encounter another reality when dealing with broken justice systems in the developing world. Brokenness in our world takes on various forms. And in the form of brokenness in a courthouse in northern Uganda, it looks like this. This is a file room in the courthouse that Grace went to and that IJM worked with. You see, to, to actually work to get Grace her Land back, we had to file various documents that actually proved that that Grace was married and this land was rightfully hers as the widow of her husband so we file these documents in the courthouse and then when the judge says it's time now to hear the case we go to court on the day that the the trial is supposed to take place and he asks for the documents to be brought into the courthouse uh, into into his courtroom so he can see them and the problem is that when the file clerk goes to get the documents She goes, now, where did I put those? Where are they? And on a good day, after searching for a couple of hours, she may find them. But what is more normal is that in cases like this, they can't find the documents, and so they start all over again and reschedule a new trial for people like Grace. Can you imagine how difficult and disappointing and discouraging that is? They have to start all over from the beginning. Well, thankfully, there was a church in the United States that came to Uganda for four weeks. They brought some volunteers to help us straighten out this antiquated filing system in this courthouse. They worked for six days a week for four weeks to create this filing system in the courthouse. Justice now flows much quicker and easier for widows Like grace, because people can go into the file room, they know where the documents are, and they can bring them into the courthouse so the judge can say, yes, you have legal right to this land. That land should be restored to you. You see, Jesus is calling us all to the broken places in this world to bring that resurrection life that we just declared. It's to the broken places that the kingdom of God needs to go. But Jesus wants, in telling this story, he wants us to understand that in the work of justice and the pursuing of his kingdom, that there's one thing that we will be required of, and that is that we would be relentless. Jesus actually asked his disciples, will I find faith like this widow who kept going and going and going to this judge when I return? Or will we just give up? Being relentless is actually quite countercultural for us today. most of you have one of these, right? okay, so if you want to know an answer to a question, if you want to know the scores of the last night 's leaf game, if you want to know where a restaurant is close to you, what do you do? Google, talk to Siri, anything like that. But what happens when we, we ask the question or type in and uh, the, the they question it to Google or ask Siri, and we don't get an answer within five seconds. Have you ever talked to your cell phone? and gotten angry? Hurry up! I need the information. Our culture is geared towards instant response to problems that we're facing. But in the work of the kingdom of God, and particularly in the work of justice, it doesn't happen that quickly. And so we have to develop this characteristic of relentlessness in the pursuit of justice if we're actually going to see God's kingdom come. I want to touch on three things that I think will help strengthen us if we want to become a people who are going to be relentless. If we want to say yes to Jesus' question, will I find people who have a relentless faith on this earth when I return? I think there's three things that we need to look at. First of all, we must understand that we need to prepare for resistance and apathy in the pursuit of justice. Jesus describes the judge in this story as someone who never gave God a thought, nor cared for people. Now we hear a lot about confirmation hearings about judges and stuff in the United States. I wonder, how did this guy get to be a judge? He didn't care about God. He didn't even like people. But somehow he was elected or appointed as a judge. But quite frankly... In the public justice systems that IGM works with in the developing world, this is not uncommon. There are people who are appointed to positions of power who don't care for people. In fact, when they hear that there's a case involving people who are enslaved, they go, well, that's not important. It's it's only the poor. Or you're faced with an attitude that says, why even bother changing? When IGM began its office in Guatemala. We had a meeting with the director of child welfare of that country, a federal government official. You see, the issue that we were wanting to address was the the rampant sexual abuse of minor children in that country. And so when we met with this government official and explained what we're going to do to rescue children and to hold people who abuse children this way accountable to the rule of law, do you know what the response was? Don't bother. This is just the way it is in Guatemala. Nothing will ever change. Now, if we're a people of the resurrection, does that work? No. Jesus changed everything. If we want to see justice come to any community, and I include our own local communities, your community here in Rexdale, and I know that there are challenges that you have here of violence even in your own community. If we want to see transformation come, we have to be prepared for the fact that we will encounter resistance and obstacles. Someone may threaten us. Someone may say, things will never change. Why even bother? Don't even start. But this is what got this widow justice. The judge didn't rule in her case favorably because of the merits that she presented. He just said, I want this woman to stop bothering me. I just want her to go away. But justice was served. At IJM, we learned this lesson very well in our work to end slavery. I spoke to one of our lawyers in Bangalore, India, on a visit that I took to our field office there. And I asked her, what was it like at the beginning when, when you were just starting to combat slavery in, in your community? What, what happened? And so she told me the story of one of the very first rescue operations that IJM conduct, conducted in Bangalore. And she said, our investigators had gathered the evidence. There was solid video evidence of a slave owner in a brick factory saying that he had slaves who he was using and he could guarantee the production of bricks because these people weren't going anywhere. The evidence was there. So she said, I went to the magistrate to to show him the evidence so that he would then uh, mobilize the police to come with us so we could rescue these people and arrest the slave owner.'" So she set up an appointment to meet him in his office. And so she went on the day that, that the appointment was scheduled for. And when she got there, the receptionist said, Oh, he's too busy today. Could you come back tomorrow? And so she said, Okay, I'll come back tomorrow. So he came back the next day. The message was, uh, He's busy again. Could you come back in a couple of days? And she said, I will. But she realized that there was probably something else that was going on here. So on her next trip to the magistrate's office, When she was told once again, uh, he's too busy to see you, she said, well, that's okay, I'll just wait. And I said, well, what does that mean, you'll just wait? She said, well, I waited for two days in the reception area. I actually slept there overnight. People brought me food. But every time that magistrate came into his office, he saw me sitting there. And finally, on the third day, he said, okay, I have some time. Come and see me. And then... When he saw the evidence, he mobilized the police, and on that day we were able to rescue 34 men, women, and children from that brick factory in Bangalore, India. But it required a relentless attitude. The second thing that we must remember is that a relentless faith believes that God's kingdom actually will prevail. Jesus makes it clear that those who are relentless, God will bring justice to those people who continue to cry out. The question is, will we give up, even in the face of opposition and violence? Do we believe God's kingdom will prevail? I think most of us have heard of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the pastor and civil rights leader in the United States. How many of you uh, saw the movie Selma? Anybody see the movie Selma? Yeah, out of a number of years ago. Well, Selma, Alabama was the starting point for Dr. King and his uh, uh, other uh, people who were fighting for these, these rights of, for African Americans to vote in the U.S. And what the message was that, that they wanted to do is they wanted to march from Selma, Alabama to Montgomery, Alabama to, to speak at the state capitol. This march began on March 7, 1965. And so Dr. King and about 600 people set out to march to Montgomery, Alabama, and to do that, they had to cross this bridge, the Edmund Pettus Bridge. But when they got to the other side, they were met by a very strong and armed line of resistance. And it just happened to be the police. Police with billy clubs, police dogs, tear gas, met these marchers in a violent confrontation, and that march ended only 2,000 meters from the very beginning of the start of that march. But there was a message that that was being communicated to these marchers, and that message was this. Don't ever try this again. You'll never get to Montgomery. You will be stopped. There will be no march. And it appeared that this quest for the right to vote ended very quickly, very shortly after it began. But two days later, Dr. King and some of his friends again marched across this bridge. And again, there was a line of police officers that met them. But instead of marching into that line, at this point, Dr. King and his associates, they knelt and they prayed right in front of those police officers. And after they'd finished praying, they got up and they walked back across the bridge. Now, some people thought that wasn't the right thing to do. They said, you should have kept on marching, should have kept on going. And Dr. King said, no. The kingdom of God prevails, not just by marching, but through prayer. But something amazing happened. Over the next two weeks, all around the United States, different cities held marches in solidarity with those who marched in Selma. All across the United States, these images of these police officers who were attacking these, these unarmed uh, marchers went viral, I guess, however it went viral at that time. But those images called people to stand up for justice. And so two weeks after that original march was brought to an end, another march took place again in Selma. And that march continued on. And this time, those people were able to march all the way to Montgomery, Alabama, with the protection of federal troops that the U.S. government had sent. And they traveled for two days, they marched for two days, and from a group of 3,200 people who set out, that group then grew to 25,000 people who ultimately came to Montgomery, Alabama. On August 6, 1965, President Johnson then signed the Voting Rights Act that gave African-Americans the right to vote in the U.S. Dr. King and the marchers believed that the kingdom of God would prevail even when that initial confrontation of violence stared them right in the face. In fact, Dr. King said that the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. You see, if we want instant resolve to the issues of injustice and brokenness in our world, The kingdom doesn't work in instantaneous situations. It works to people who are relentless. Jesus said his father would work justice for those who call out. The final connection that Jesus makes in this story about being relentless is this, that we also need to be relentless in prayer. He connects justice and the relentlessness of pursuing justice in actions and activities with being relentless in the work of prayer. Many people know about IJM because of the work that we do in our casework, rescuing people who have been enslaved or trafficked, taking cases into the public justice system so that those who perpetrate these crimes are held accountable. They don't act with impunity because the law actually does work for the most vulnerable. But what most people don't know about IJM is that we're also relentless in prayer. On every day, every workday, in every one of our IJM offices, we begin with 30 minutes of stillness. Before we turn on the computer, before we answer a phone call, we spend 30 minutes in stillness, listening to the voice of our Father in Heaven, reading the Scripture so that when we go about to do this work of justice, our hearts and our minds and our spirits will be attuned to the God of justice who is working justice for those who are oppressed. And then we gather again at 11 o'clock every morning and we pray specifically and intercede on behalf of individual rescue operations that are taking place or on cases that are in the court system at that present time. And we pray like this every day, not so much out of a matter of discipline, but out of desperation. We know that we could never accomplish what we hope to do without God's miraculous intervention. And sometimes we have to pray for a long, long time to see these, miracle hap- these miracles happen. But we've learned that we need to be relentless in prayer as well, in the pursuit, as well as in the pursuit of justice. Our office in Ghana addresses the issue of slavery in the fishing industry in Lake Volta. Children are often kidnapped from villages around the lake and forced to work on these fishing boats that you saw in the video earlier on. And IJM began its work in 2016. And what you saw in that video was our very first rescue operation. And we were able to rescue four boys on Lake Volta and bring them into a place of freedom. But something happened after that first rescue operation. A government official, very high up in the Ghanaian government, refused to cooperate any further with IJM on any future rescue operations. You see, there was a fair amount of video coverage and newspaper coverage around this rescue on Lake Volta. And it was embarrassing to this particular government official, so they just wanted to say, well, there's really no big problem. That was just a small, insignificant little thing, but really there's no slavery on Lake Volta. And while our teams tried to meet with them, the government officials to move forward so we could rescue children that we knew were being enslaved on this this lake, there was no movement. But we prayed. For two years, we prayed for the God of justice to move his hand. At the end of last year, there was a general election in the country of Ghana. And this very high-ranking government official was not reelected in her region. A new person came into her position And this person wanted to address the issue of slavery on Lake Volta. And so we began to work with them. And over the next 18 months, we've seen now 150 children rescued on Lake Volta because God now has the right person in the right place. But we had to pray for two years. And we knew that there were children who were enslaved and who were suffering and probably dying on that lake. But we prayed and we prayed and finally God intervened and a miracle took place. You see, Freedom Sunday happens because God's people understand that we need to be relentless. We need to prepare for opposition. We need to believe that God's kingdom will prevail. And we need to pray and not give up. And then we will see slavery end in a generation. So I want to invite you to join with IJM in this fight to see slavery end. Participate next year in Freedom Sunday. Come and visit our table out in the hallway after the service. But I encourage you to be a people who are relentless. I want to close by this quote by Gary Haugen, the founder of IJM. And he says this, Victims of injustice do not need our spasm of passion. They need our legs and our lungs of endurance. They need uh, a long obedience in the same direction. And so my prayer for Rexdale Alliance Church is, as you seek justice, as you bring the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to your community, that you would develop those spiritual muscles so your legs and your lungs of endurance would keep on going, that you would not stop, and that Jesus would say, there is a community that has faith that will prevail. Amen.
1: Thank you so much, Mark, and please rise for the benediction. Really appreciate you helping us know God's work of justice all over the world, and uh, I do also want to encourage you to go and see Mark and uh, some of the IJM volunteers out there in the foyer, get some of their materials, and also become more more aware of uh, how you can be involved as well. I do want to point out that Vidya Ramsharan is here uh, from Cambodia. He she's uh, one of our Commission International workers. Also want to I encourage you to take her out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and invite her to your small group. Get to know uh, all about her and God's work in her in Cambodia. You know, our benediction for um, this morning really is very uh, evident in what Mark shared with us. That, you know, I want to bless you, one, well, really with two things. One is that you would know personally for you that God works justice for you. I don't know what area of injustice you're facing today, but God knows, but you would know that He is working justice for you. And secondly, that God would bless you with a relentless faith that recognizes that there's a lot of apathy out there in the world toward justice, but that you would have a relentless faith that understands that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing, and that forceful men women We'll never quit praying, believing that justice will come. God will build this kingdom. Go in Jesus' name.